Welcome to the podcast. Wherever you're listening from today, we hope this message brings you hope and encouragement. If you want to share what God has done for you, you can email us at saw at rttnchurch.com. That's S-A-W at rttnchurch.com. SAW stands for Signs and Wonders, and what better way to display God's power than through your testimony? Let's get right into the message. I'm going to take a caveat today, a prophetic caveat. <laughs> Look at your neighbor and say, prophetic caveat. You know what a caveat is? It's when you were talking about one thing and started talking about something else. If I wasn't filled with the Holy Ghost, I would attribute this day to my ADD. But the Spirit of God broke in on my life this week, and I'm going to share some of this story with you. And I want to, I don't think this is going to be really sermonic. This is a, a prophetic word and maybe a, a prophetic teaching. But we're getting ready, family, to step into something significant. It's not that what we have experienced heretofore hasn't been good or God or significant. It's that the greater is coming. I've preached for about a year, maybe did this three years ago. I kept preaching messages about the more of God. In fact, I talked about it at Ruach last year. The more of God. I don't care how much God you have, there is more. I don't care how much God you, we've experienced corporately, there is more. If you ever lose your expectation for the more of God, you become comfortable and complacent, apathetic, and at ease, the prophet would call it in Zion. It's kind of coast. Look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, neighbor, there's more for you. It's not more like in addition to what you have. It's like more in the sense of what you have from God going to another glory and another level. It's not that we need Jesus plus, it's that we want more and more of him. How many like fried chicken? Don't lie. I, I, oh, Jesus. Put me in a mood right now. My mom makes tremendous fried chicken. In fact, last night, Sister Betty, one of the mothers in the church, she cooked a meal for Devin and I. I came over to her house and ate some chicken. I, I broke my fast and my, my little diet. I had, a piece, I had a leg. I ain't had a leg of fried chicken in three weeks. I've lost 15 pounds in three weeks. I'm going to lose 35 more. Because you only got one temple. How many know you got to take care of it? I went over to her house last night. I had a leg of fried chicken. Here's the deal. One leg. She said, is that all you're going to eat? It's all the Lord will let me eat, Mr. Betty, okay? Man. When that chicken sits out for hours, it gets cold. You can put it in the microwave and reheat it, but it don't taste as good as it did when she first poured it off the skillet. But when the chicken gets cold and it ain't no good and it's been refrigerated for three days, she doesn't need a new recipe because a woman knows how to cook some chicken. What she needs is a fresh batch of more of what she already had. And when I say more, I'm not talking about let's go find something that is something we've never had, but I'm just talking about there's greater increase of the taste of heaven we've already experienced. Somebody say amen. 
Okay, so this is not going to be a sermon, but I'm going to get excited, and I'm going to holler, and I'm going to prophesy. Acts 3.19. And some, listen, there are some people in here today, this is going to divide. These kind of words divide the I don't want to divide the house. I don't mean in the sense of division, but there will be a group of people who hear what I'm going to say today and be like, what? That don't even make no sense. And then other people are going to fall in the floor. I just want to release the word of the Lord because it's coming to this house. Acts 3.19. Jesus, I love you. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, you look 19 pounds lighter than you did last Sunday. Come on, tell him. 19 pounds. Look amazing. First time guests, let me say hi to y'all real quick. If you're first time, this is your first time at RTT and lift your hand so we can say good morning. Anybody first time? Love you. Love you, sister. Love you over there. Love you on the front row right here. Come on, family. Help me welcome all of our first time guests. Listen, you're a first time guest this morning, but if you come back next Sunday, you family. We recruiting family. Amen. If you've got a home church and you know God sent you there, we want you to go there, pray and support your pastor and the vision God gave him. But if you're looking for a church, I want you right here. Somebody said, that's wrong. No, that ain't wrong. We, we got room for more family. Don't mess with me. I'll open the bedroom up over there and move that curtain. There's more room. Amen. There's just more room. We're able to grow. So if you're looking for a home church, we want you to come and join us. Fill that guest card out on the bottom of your connect card, and we're going to make sure to follow up and minister to you and your family. Okay, Acts 3.19. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing. How many need that? How many are believing for it? So that times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached before to you before, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all of his holy prophets since the world began. Repent. Somebody say repent. repent. And be converted. That times of refreshing. Repentance precedes refreshing. Yes. Repentance precedes, comes before refreshing. And uh, I want to talk about this. This is, again, this is not a sermon. I'm going to make a declaration and we're going we're gonna to receive it, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to expect it for the rest of our days. Amen. Ready for this? There is a 100% chance of rain. Lord, just for a few moments today. Let an unction from the Holy Ghost come up in my spirit. An unction to release a prophetic word that you are fulfilling and yet will fulfill. Every dry season come to an end. Every dry broken heart be refreshed and renewed. Every weary saint who is tired from the journey, I pray today that the strength of God would come upon them as the presence of God begins to invade their life. I declare no dry seasons. There is a 100% chance of rain. In Jesus' name, everybody who's ready to get wet said amen. amen. Okay, so sit down with me just a moment. I, I, I'm not a very good storyteller. Let's just get this out of the way. I'm a preacher. And 
my strength is not telling stories, especially stories that are not true. I'm not good at telling jokes. I don't do that much in my messages because I always just totally butcher them. It's a horrible thing. But I want to tell you a couple of stories that I believe are not just significant but are prophetic in nature, and they really become the foundation for this word that I felt like God stirred in my heart this past week. How many remember last year when we were in the gymnasium and Lou Engel came to minister on a Sunday morning? Was anybody here for that? Lou Engel, he's the sort of bald-headed guy, fast all the time for 40 days, and when he talks, he talks like this. I mean, he sounds like, um, like Rambo. I mean, he's like, he's like uh, I know I scared people out of sleep right then. Um, but he, he, the, the man doesn't ever remain calm. He's like the most intense dude I've ever met in my life. So when he came and preached for us in the gymnasium last summer, he wanted Devin and I to take him to two places before he left Chattanooga. The first place he wanted us to take him was the Brainerd Mission uh, and the cemetery over by, remember Eastgate Mall? Everybody remember Eastgate Mall? Many of you may or may not know that within that area over there in the middle of the parking lot is an old cemetery and a memorial to the Brainerd Mission. And that was a place where Brainerd, uh, David Brainerd uh, missionaries took care of Indian tribes there. And Lisa Gosselman, Pastor Lisa, could tell you so many amazing facts and truths about the history of the Native American people who were here in the Chattanooga area and how they were driven off. It was a very sad thing, but there was a covenant ratified over that area hun over 100 years ago, and they made an agreement that, God, that they would pray for God to heal, that that kind of pain would never be inflicted again, that God would forgive us. And Lou, being a very prophetic individual, wanted to go back to Brandon Mission, pray a prayer, God heal our land, because many of uh, the divisional curses that are on this land and the pain comes from systemic sin that happened over 100 years ago. And our nation, uh, our nation still reels and goes to and fro and back and forth in the pain and the aftermath of what they did to Native Americans and even our African-American brothers and sisters in slavery. And until the nation as a whole recognizes its past sins and asks the Lord to cleanse it, I still believe that there is offense, pain, and that there is division that has been permitted because of our own unwillingness to confront the sins of our past. We took him to the mission over in Brainerd, and he prayed there. And when we walked up, some of you can't get past that. Let me just say before I go on with, without ignoring that, our nation needs to be healed racially. So let me say two things for, for our, for, boy, this is tough. I didn't know I was going this direction. Um, we can't just walk around and act like there wasn't a painful chapter a sinful, horrible, dark chapter in the past of America. There were evil, heinous sins committed in the name of a bunch of different things, and God, God it, was the, it was the plague and the scourge of America. And we need, we need to continually thank God and ask God and pray to God to heal our land and forgive us. Amen? And we also need to be able to have the grace to move on and not stay in the trap or offense of it. So we need a group of people, we need, listen, we need to embrace our brothers and sisters who still feel the pain and, and, the, and the scourge of the past, and then we need to ask God to heal it so that we can move on from it 
and not continue to lay wounds open in our nation that continue to divide and attempt to destroy us. I want to do that for the rest of my life. I want to build a bridge, and I want us to build a bridge, and I want us to be a people of healing for wounds that are still open in America because there are a lot of people still hurting. So I took him to the Brainerd Mission, and we went there that day. And we go up, and Lou's like all intense, and he's really into this thing. And so, oh, yeah, he's praying. He's like Elijah. He's bald-headed and got this beard thing, and he's rocking, and he's praying. And when we walked up, I saw an umbrella laying on the ground. It's the most unique thing. I thought, oh, somebody left their umbrella. So we're walking, on, we're walking up to pray, and I see the umbrella. And then we're walking back to the car after uh, he prayed and screamed and almost got the police called on us. And um, on the way back, I, I passed the umbrella, and I see the umbrella laying on the ground. And I, I just kept walking past the umbrella. And then it, I was like, it just started messing with me. I said, did anybody else see that umbrella? And Lou turns around and goes, oh, it's a sign from God. Rain is coming. So I took this umbrella home. It's a multicolored umbrella laying in the middle. Now see, here comes my people who can't handle signs. I feel you. That was coincidence. Okay, you eat your Wheaties one way, I eat my Cheerios another. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, the Holy Ghost came on me when I picked this umbrella up. This is the umbrella. And Lou grabbed me and goes, rain's coming, rain's coming. God's going to heal the land. That was last summer. It pops you, I'm sorry. (laughs) This past week, um, I did something real crazy. The Lord spoke to me to do this, and then he confirmed it through one of our elders' wives. Sister Joy Miller called me, and she said, Pastor, the Holy Ghost showed me we're supposed to go to the four corners of this city and drive stakes in the ground and claim this city for the glory of God. Well, God had already dealt with me about that, so I thought, out of the mouth of two or three, let a thing be established. So I called Chris. I said, Chris, go get some stakes and a hammer. And I told the team, I said, meet me at 9 a.m. What morning did we go? Wednesday? Tuesday. Wednesday, Sunday. We get all 30 of us on two buses, and we take off. They have no clue where I'm taking them. I sent Chris to get stakes. When I thought about a stake, I thought about, you know, a good foot. Just drive it in the ground. Nobody will ever see it. It'll be there till Jesus comes. Chris decides to go get nine telephone poles and an eight-pound sledgehammer. I thought, mighty God, I'm just trying to do this in a hidden way. He's trying to send border patrol. Took 30 minutes to drive one in the ground. I had to get Gary Keelan over there. I said, my God, this is too much like work. Hallelujah. Every stake we wrote a scripture on. First stake I wrote was Matthew 5. You are a city set up on a hill that cannot be hid. 
Second place we went to, oh, I don't remember all the scriptures that I wrote now. Expand the place of your tent. The glory of the Lord's come. We wrote scriptures on all of them. We went first to the edge of Udawah. If you don't know this, the edge are out past uh, the new area that they're building. I don't even know the name of that place now. Out almost, what is it? Cambridge Square. There's a little strip of land right now that's annexed into the Chattanooga City. We went out there. If you drive out there today, you're going to see a telephone pole sticking by a telephone pole. It's got a scripture written on it. We are a city set on a hill. Then we went up to Thrasher Pike, the northernmost point of the city, and we drove a stake in there. We're out there praying, and I'm talking about fires falling and the police drive up. Can I help you? And they said, it's okay, we're just praying. And he went, oh, okay. (laughs) Just kept on driving, nothing going on here. Went from Thrasher Pike all the way out to Lookout Valley, out 299 off the Wildwood exit. You'll go out there and you'll find the the westernmost point of Chattanooga. And the last place we went, down in St. Elmo. I'm getting ready to come out of the van. Everybody else is already off the van. And the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, I'm about to give you a sign. Now, you have to understand, for me, signs are people most of the time. What's your sign, right? (laughs) Never mind. Uh, (laughs) Most of the time for me, a person to come up to me and give me a word. And so I'm going to be really honest with you. We parked at a gas station and I was getting ready to get off the bus and the Spirit of God said to me, I'm going to give you a sign. And I'm thinking, oh God, we get ready to walk into a person that is just torqued up and ready to prophesy and we're going to have a falling out right here, right in the middle of the... But that's not what happened. We all get out of the bus and we're looking for a place to drive this stake. And I was fixing to go to the right and they said, no, that's the Georgia side. Come over here to this side. How many know you don't want to be on the Georgia side? <laughs> Can anything good come out of Georgia? I don't think so. So, I'm kidding. It's a joke, y'all. It's football season. Stop. My God. I get off the bus and we go find this one spot. In fact, it's bizarre. I've driven down that road a hundred times in my life, and I've never seen it because it's covered with ivy and kudzu. There is an old stone gate. It's there. It's an old stone gate. It must be over a hundred years old, and it's covered in ivy and in kudzu. And we pulled it back, and it said, Entering Georgia. And on the other side, it said, Entering Tennessee. And, And we go out there, and I'm so tired from driving telephone poles in the ground. I said, Gary, you're going to have to do this one. So he gets the hammer, and he gets the stake. And the last stake we had, here's the scripture I wrote on it. God told me to write it on it. Psalm 115, unless the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Watch. Unless the Lord guard the city, the watchmen stay awake in vain. And I'm looking around for Prophet Elroy or Sister Yeye to come along with a word and a sign. They never came. But when Gary starts driving this thing down in the ground, I look down in the ground. I can't make this mess up. And there were 30 people there. Another umbrella. 
And I'm standing there and I said, what in the world is happening? And the Lord said, I told you it's getting ready to rain. And then I thought about the scripture that I wrote on that stake and where we found this. And then this morning, Sister Carolyn comes with a, a word. And she said she had no clue what I was going to talk about. Nobody had a clue. Devin kept trying to ask me, what are you going to preach? I think she wanted to tell y'all before I preached it. I'm kidding. She said the Lord showed her that when we were driving stakes in the ground this week in the city, it was the tent of God covering the city. And then on the last stop, we found an umbrella. Not only is the umbrella a universal sign that rain is on the way, umbrellas represent covering. So I want to just declare a couple things. We're getting ready to get rained on. This house, this city, and our lives are getting ready to experience the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in a very fresh and powerful way. And I declare to you that religious dry season is over. Now, to pr provide some scriptural and prophetic context for this prophecy, the Lord took me to Deuteronomy chapter 10. So let me just give this to you. Or 11, pardon me. Deuteronomy 11. Take your Bible, go there with me quickly. I'm doing pretty good on time. Okay, look at verse 13. Deuteronomy 11, 13. Everyone say Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the second giving of the law. Moses' last words, he's reiterating what God has said. He's getting ready to peace out and die and leave the planet. Before he does, he gathers the children of God together and he recites and reinforces the word of the Lord to them. And I want you to hear what he says to them. Now listen to this. In Deuteronomy 11, verse 13, And it shall be that if you earnestly obey my commandments, God is speaking here, which I command to you today to love the Lord your God and serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Say, that's all of me. Say, that's all of me. God doesn't want a part of you or a Sunday morning you. God wants all of you. He said, if you will earnestly, he said, if you will keep my word and you will serve me with all your heart and soul, then I watch. I will give you rain for your land in its season. Somebody say, in its season. The early rain and the latter rain that you may gather in your grain, your wine, and your oil. Don't miss this. Their ability to experience harvest is directly connected to their ability to receive the rain. Their ability to receive the rain is directly connected to their willingness to obey the word of the Lord and give their heart, mind, soul, and strength totally to God. God says, if you give me all of you, I will give you rain in your season, latter and former. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then because the rain comes... You will gather in your grain, your new wine, and your oil. Verse 15, I will send grass in your fields for your livestock that they may eat and be filled. Now, go back up with me. That's what happens when it rains. But why is the rain important? Go back up and look at verse 8 with me. Therefore, keep every commandment which I command you today that you are to be strong, go in and possess the land which you cross over to possess, and that you may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swore to your father to give your fathers to them and their descendants, a land flowing with milk and honey. Say a land flowing with milk and honey. 
There is a principle here that God reveals among his people, the Jewish people in the Old Testament, that I think is a principle you and I as his children walking in a land of inheritance today should be reminded of. Look at verse number 10. For the land, for the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you came. There you sowed your seed and watered it by foot. Some translations say by hand. As a vegetable garden. In other words, they were responsible for finding a, a water source, digging out a trench, and allowing the water to get to their seed from an existing water source. But God says to them, the promised land that I'm giving you is not that kind of land. Watch. The land I'm giving you, verse 11, when you cross over to possess it, is a land of hills and valleys. Say hills and valleys. Hills and valleys. Which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Say rain from heaven. A land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. Here's the principle. When God gives you a promised land, he never gives you a promised land that you will not have to depend on him for to continually receive harvest. He built within the promised land a mechanism of dependency upon him. The people of God would never experience the, uh, I almost said blessing, but really it's a curse when you can dig it out with your foot and you can get the glory for your harvest. In Egypt, they could dig their own trench and get their own water to their seed. But in the promised land, heaven had to send the rain. And the difference is this, that in, the, in Egypt, you can dig out your own land and get your own blessing, and you're not sure who to give the glory to when it happens. But in the promised land, when harvest comes, you have to throw down your, your plow, and you have to throw your hands up in the middle of the rain and say, I know where my help comes from. My help comes, come on. God is getting ready. This land that we're getting ready to possess, the land that God is calling his people to, the blessing of the Lord that is coming on your life and our lives in this house is not a blessing we will take glory for. We didn't dig out a trench and get water to the seed. We lived in the place called holiness and we lifted up our hands to the God of heaven and in his goodness he opened the heavens and poured out a blessing called rain and he watered the seed and he promised that the harvest would come look at your neighbor and say neighbor there's a 100% chance of rain so what is this business of rain here's what's crazy and I didn't even really put all this together until God spoke it to me Thursday rain comes in a pattern in the Old Testament it's not just like, you know, every now and then we get a shower. Something profound begins in October. <laughs> it's called the former rain. And it, a, a, a rainy season begins somewhere to the middle of beginning of October and goes all the way through the spring. It's one continual season of rain broken up into two cycles. It's called the former and the latter rain. 
The former rain comes in early October. Why? Because seeds are being put into the ground and seeds are being planted because they understand that harvest time is coming in the spring and at the end of spring there is a season of showers. And I'm just going to go ahead and prophesy what I believe right now. I'm standing in August of 2018. Something's getting ready to begin in October and it's going to continue to grow and crescendo all the way into the spring. And I'm declaring to you that by the time we get to the spring of 2019, the Lord should tarry. There is coming a supernatural activation on the harvest. There's coming some answers to prayers that have been held up for a season. God said that he's going to show you great and mighty things which have been fenced in and unable to be accessed. You're coming into a season of blessing. My God, I said you're coming into a season of blessing. That's why when it says in Joel 2, the former and the latter rain, there's coming this season of rain. 100% chance. Paul said it would be like this. How many Chattanoogans in here know what I'm talking about? Paul Barris, remember in 1993? Everybody said it's going to be rain, rain, rain. Paul said we're getting ready to get snow, snow, snow. March of 1993, 24 inches of snow. Paul said it would be like this. It's a forecast, a forecast. Some people say, well, God is not predictable. God might be the most predictable person you've ever met in your life. God operates in seasons. God operates in cycles. God gave us patterns in his Old and New Testament. Listen to me. It takes people with discernment and a spirit of revelation to understand that what God is doing next, he is not trying to hide. He is revealing those things to those who want to know the secrets of God. There are people in this house playing church. I love you, but you're playing church. And the spirit of God told me this week, he said, you got to get ready because rain is coming. And here's what I did not know. I didn't know this. I didn't know that on August 12th of this year, two weeks ago now, right? What am I, 26th? A season called Teshuva began. Say Teshuva. Okay. So let me take a timeout caveat so that the people who thought they would send me an email correcting me from talking about Jewish holy days. We're not in that anymore. I didn't say we were in it, but if you don't study it and understand the revelation in it, what kind of foolishness is it to think that Christianity doesn't have a foundation in Judaism and the Old Testament? Jesus himself is a Jew. And I get criticized all the time when Devin and I, when we blow the shofar today, you'll be amazed at how many people rebuke me for blowing a shofar in church. We're not Jewish. I didn't say we were, but our Messiah is messy. He's a Jew. Amen. Offense number 314. <laughs> what does the church have to do with Jew, Jew, the, the Jewish religion? Listen, the church has a lot to do with Jew, Judaism. Whether or not we accept it or not, in the first place, both Judaism and Christianity came from the same God. Number two, both Judaism and Christianity have the same father. 
Father Abraham had... You say, Pastor, that's not in the Bible. Actually, you forgot to read Galatians. Galatians 3 says, also, if you belong to the Messiah, you are the seed of Abraham and heirs according to the promise. The Old Testament is a common foundation for both Judaism and Christianity. Both Judaism and Christianity. I'm giving you just an outline because I want to establish this as a foundation so you understand the significance of the moment we're in. Both Judaism and Christianity share the same Old Testament as Holy Scripture. The foundations of our faith in God are rooted in the Old Testament. So also that of the Jews, for their history and their laws are all in the Old Testament. Moreover, the entire Old Testament was written by Jewish people. The New Testament was also written by Jewish people with the exception of Luke, who was a doctor. Judaism is the same name that men have attached to the formative stages of biblical faith in the Old Testament. And Christianity is the name that men have attached to the completing stage of biblical faith in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the inception of Judaism, hold on, just give me a second. I'm laying a foundation for our church. God created a calendar of holy days that for fasts, feasts and festivals, all of which were powerful prophetic shadows of the very tangible and real fulfillment of God's plan that would come in the future through the person and work of a man named Jesus Christ. For instance, I'm not going to go through all seven feasts, but I could go through all, all seven because all seven have a prophetic, uh, they make a prophetic announcement about something coming in the future. But let's just start with the Passover. Okay, in the Passover, in the, in the book of Exodus, you all remember the story. Egyptians have the people of God in bondage for over 400 years. God comes down to a man named Moses, says, take your shoes off. You're on holy ground. I'm getting ready to set my people free. They cried out. I heard them, and I'm going to bring deliverance to them. He goes to Moses. He says, I want you to instruct the people of God. Go out in the backyard. Get the, the spotless lamb. Take the blood of the lamb. Kill the lamb. Slit its throat. Take the blood of the lamb. Put the lamb's blood over your doorpost. Tonight, the death angel is coming, and when the death angel walks through the camp, when he sees the blood of the lamb, he will pass over, and I will not smite your first, firstborn. The only difference is Israel got the blood. Egypt didn't know anything about the lamb. So when the death angel passes through Egypt that night, the Bible said that the, that the firstborn of Egypt were all smitten by the death angel, and the people of God were salvaged, they were secured, they were safe, all because the blood of the lamb. They ate the lamb, watch, they ate the lamb at this Passover meal and they put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. Not only do you have to have the blood on you, but you got to have the lamb in you. Come on, somebody say amen. They were also to eat, watch, bitter herbs and unleavened bread. Unleavened bread, say unleavened bread. So when they took the Passover, they would take this bread. It looks like a cracker. It's not very tasty. It's not the most moist bread you've ever had. It's unleavened, flat, hard bread. They ate the bread at Passover, and they watched. They ate the bread, and they ate the lamb, and they put the blood on the doorpost, and they celebrated liberty and freedom from the Egyptians. It's called the Passover. That was an Old Testament festival, a feast rather, that God gave them. Watch this. But it had a prophetic 
cast toward the future when John the Baptist standing in the river Jordan took himself a time out in John 1:29. he saw Jesus walking up on the river and said wait a minute I know for thousands of years you've taken a lamb on Passover and you've remembered that it was the lamb that brought you out of Egypt but I see the fulfillment of the feast behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world Jesus Christ is the spotless lamb he is the unleavened bread. Come on, somebody. There is no sin or guile found in his mouth. So much. So much. That's just one of the feasts. And all of them have a prophetic, they, they cast a prophetic shadow onto the future. Everything we see in the feast of the Old Testament prepared us for the arrival of the king, the lamb, the hope the joy that would come in the man, Jesus Christ. I said all that to say this. When someone says to you that the Jewish people at this time of the year are in a moment called Teshuvah, you and I shouldn't just write that off. While you and I don't have to celebrate Jewish holy days to be saved, we should be able to extract the revelation and honor and give God thanks that he gave us prophetic glimpses. And he is a, watch, don't miss this. He didn't just show up through a virgin womb named Mary. He prepared the earth for his arrival for thousands of years before he got here. That's a God that is rooted in history. Are you following me? We are in what the Jewish people at this time called Teshuvah. Begin on August the 12th. It is 40 days. I did not know this until God showed me this this week. And I say God showed me. I just began to go on a search. Why am I feeling what I'm feeling on the inside? In my own personal life, I've been feeling like there's some stuff you need to get in order. Some of you can't handle what I'm getting ready to say. But I'm going to tell you right now. God started dealing with me, and I have no clue it was in this time period. God started dealing with me about how I take care of my body. I'm going, to, I'm, not, I'm going to get some serious haters right here. You can't rebuke sickness off your body that you permit. I'm getting no help. I'm making a lot of enemies. I'm not here to tell you. I know the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but you get one body. You get one body. And we run around feeding our body all it wants all the time. Junk, 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 junk. And then we run to the prayer line. God, heal me of diabetes. I'm telling you, God began to deal with me. And not just about my, my physical well-being and how I take care of my temple. God began to deal with me about my attitude. And I, I started, I'm talking about, I was in a place of, I was repenting for stuff I never repented of. And I thought, what is up with me? And then this past Thursday, it hits me. That started in August 12th. It was August, it was August 11th, 10th. I stopped eating sugar. The Lord said to me, I want you to get your body in shape. Because right now you're not in shape for the glory that I'm getting ready to send. This, this is heavy. I mean, I feel like God is going to light my head on fire to preach. And there are some days I'm in my spirit, I'm feeling fire. In my flesh, I'm like, whoo. 
<laughs> Time out. <laughs> so I started jogging. I started eating right. Wait a minute. I'm saying this to you, and I hesitated saying this to you because when I say it to you, I automatically invite accountability. <laughs> when Pastor Josh does this, he tweets about it. Me, I tell the whole church. <laughs> we both do it together. Here's the deal. I, feel, I started feeling God put, some, put his hand on my life in some certain areas. I thought, why am I feeling this way? And here's the Lord showed me this past Thursday. We're in a season of repentance. Say Teshuvah. Now, Teshuvah goes back to the time on Mount Sinai. This is what the, the sages and the scribes teach. The time on Mount Sinai when Moses had to go before God and repent to God for the golden calf the people had made. Jewish history tells us that for 40 days he sat in the mountain with God, pleading with God, repenting on behalf of the people because they had made a golden image out of the earrings of gold that came out of Egypt, and he repented. And it was a season tied to, don't miss this, a season tied to getting their heart right, repentance. And I find it very interesting, as I studied this this past week, that when, we're, when, when we talk about repentance, we often have the thought of, I'm sorry. But repentance is much deeper than I'm sorry. Repentance is, number one, an acknowledgement of sin. Number two, an asking of forgiveness. And number three, it often included a vow not to repeat the same mistake. It's quiet. We often want to alleviate the guilt of conscience, but we don't want to follow through with the, the, the complete transaction of forgiveness and breaking the cycle. Some of us in this room today, you need to not only be forgiven, you need to let God know, I don't intend to go back into that any longer. Amen. True forgiveness from sin is not, God, I'm sorry. Would you please forgive me? It's, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. And by your grace and strength, I vow I will never visit that thing again. Amen. We are in the days right now. What's the date? August 26. We are right in the middle of the days of Teshuvah. The repenting and the cleansing of our hearts before God. Here's what's crazy. The last 10 of the 40 days of Teshuva are 10 days called the days of awe. A-W-E, awe. The days of awe were a time when Israel drew so close to God. And I don't want to get this mixed up, and you guys could help me so much here. But it leads all the way up to Rosh Hashanah. And what happens on those 10 days of awe is that Israel comes close to God and prioritizes God above everything in their life. And it is said that God makes decisions during the 10 days of awe that he will carry out for the following 12 months. I know this is heavy for some of you. And I don't want to say that that's the only time God is forgiving sin. That's the only time God is convicting. That's, that's not what I'm telling you. I'm telling you it brings an awareness to our hearts of the moment that we are in. What are you saying in all this, Pastor? I'm, put, I'm fixing to put these two thoughts together and I'm done. It's getting ready to rain. There is a 100% chance of rain. The promised land God gave you is not a land that you can irrigate yourself. Amen. The promises of God for your life are not something you're going to go chase down and make happen in your strength. 
you will depend on God to open the heavens and rain on your life. And the seed you have sown in this season, in the coming days and weeks, they're going to receive the rain of heaven. And I'm telling you, harvest time is coming. And some of you are, I heard this last night, there were several people burdened by the Lord in intercessory prayer last night. And I have been burdened because this is not my modus operandi. I don't typically walk in here and say things like this, but I am telling you right now, and I'm telling somebody watching me by live stream, I want you to hear me. There's some people that need to get their house in order. Amen. I'm talking about this house. Amen. There is repetitious sin happening in some lives. I'm not even going to attempt to name sin because there are people who, who magnify and they demonize the worst sins in their mind and they let everybody else off scot-free. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to tell you whatever God in his goodness and mercy puts his hand on in your heart, this is a season to let him wash it and cleanse it. I don't care what you've done and how long you've been doing it. God wants to forgive your sins, cleanse you completely, and give you the full joy of freedom from sin. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how long you've been doing it. I don't care how many times you've said I'm sorry. I'm telling you we're moving into a place where the Lord God wants to break chains of sinfulness over your life. It is getting ready to rain. Why did you read Acts 3.19? I don't know. I do know. <laughs> Acts 3.19, repent. This is a season and a moment to get our hearts right. If you have alt with people in your heart, you need to get it right. If you have offense in your heart with people, you need to get it right. If you and your spouse, I felt the Holy Ghost on me this week driving down the road. I didn't even know why. But there are marriages in here that need to get their story and their act together. Okay, Lord. I feel a Dr. Phil anointing getting on me right now. You cannot walk around in strife in your house all week long and come in here and expect the goodness of God to be poured out in your family. Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is fall back in love. Oh, it's getting ready to get tight, but it's still going to be right. The, the most spiritual thing some of you in this room can do is fall back in love. Your house is supposed to be a place of love and intimacy, not strife and division. I'm not getting no help, so I must be talking to a whole lot of us today. Need to get the house in order. The, the rain is coming. My God, he just told us in Deuteronomy, and he told us in Joel, and he told us in Acts 2, he is the God of the rain. He is able to send. Isn't it amazing that over in uh, Deuteronomy, I believe, 13, he said, I'll cause it to rain on one field, and I won't let it rain on another. God is able to strategically place the rain on top of people's lives who have a yielded, obedient and he's also able to drive the rain away from people who will not get their heart right and will not walk in purity. I want you to, what does it mean, Pastor, when you say the rain is coming? The rain is a sign of the favor of God. Some of you are still freaked out over the umbrellas. I was too. I don't even do that. But when the Lord says, I'm getting ready to show you a sign, you just walk around like this. It's, like, it's a sign. And then I get in the van and Dr. Nash, Pastor Lee, he starts revelating. He's like, oh, let me tell you something about the multicoloredness of this umbrella. 
Tell me, Dr. Lee. Oh, the colors of God. You know, God is a multicolored, multicultural, multigenerational. Somebody in here. Come on, this umbrella is not going to be a white umbrella or a black umbrella or a Hispanic umbrella. Baby, this is a multicolored. Y'all better help me preach in here this morning. If I find a, a single colored umbrella, it won't be from God. Every umbrella he's given me is a multicolored umbrella. And I keep on preaching it. And I'm going to keep on preaching it. God is doing a multicultural, multi-generational thing in the earth. And we got to say, God, we believe your reign is on the way. I believe the reign is on the way. So what happens with the former rain? Former rain comes the early rain. That's what it is, the early rain. The early rain comes with seed time. Why? Because if you put good seed on the ground without any rain, the wind can blow it away. And you got to have those rains that come in October to help the seed germinate and get tied into the soil. Please hear me. I do not think it is coincidental that in the month of October, significant things are happening in this house. I'm just telling you, I'm not a grandiose, like, build it up kind of person. There are things happening we could have never arranged in our flesh. I told you this, when, when, we, when we made a decision in 2017 to follow God, it was the hardest decision I've ever made in my life. And I got prophetic words from a lot of people. But there was only one thing God said to me personally. Jason, can you put in a happy key? Thank you. That's it right there. <laughs> he knows I'm messing with him. Watch. There's only one thing God said to me personally. He said, streams are going to come together. That's all he said. Streams will come together. I thought, what does that mean? Streams are coming together? And then I read over in Psalm 46, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. And I got to thinking about it. And as I read, as I read about the rain pattern of Palestine this past week, I discovered that rain is not something they experience throughout the whole year. Brooks dry up. Streams run dry. And they eagerly await the early rain in October. And what happens when the rain falls is the streams rise and the streams begin to flow and they find themselves converging in the river. Here's my point. Heaven wants to rain on us. I have felt like for some time, I, and I think I'm beginning to understand it was a prophetic discomfort I felt in my heart I remember being a boy, a young teenager. People would move and go to revival. They would pray for one another. They love one another. I'm not saying our nation was perfect. I'm not saying the church was in a place of perfection, but it seemed like there was a hunger. And then there were some scandals in the church. And there was some division in the church. And it seems to me like there was a little bit of skepticism and cynicism that snuck into the house of God. 
And the people of the Lord didn't quit believing in Jesus, but I think they stopped thinking it could rain. And I think they started adopting a mentality like, just hold on, he's going to come and get us out of all this. And it's going to get easier. It's going to get, we're going to heaven. Let's just hang on to heaven. I don't want to deny the Lord. I'm not going to turn my back on Jesus. This whole revival thing, this whole outpouring of the Holy Ghost thing, it's just a little too messy. But the Lord says, I'm going to send my rain again. You've been sowing. You've been looking to heaven. There's a remnant of people who never stop believing. I'm telling you, the earth is going to be visited by the heaven's rain again. Jesus is going to send his spirit. And here's my whole thing today. My whole thing today is that the rain is coming and I just believe God is saying to me that in this time of repentance, we need to get our hearts right. I'm not coming today to point you out and say y'all are all jacked up. I'm telling you this started with me a little over three weeks ago. I had to get some things right. Because I don't want to miss the rain. I don't want him to rain on somebody else's field and not rain on this field. So, I want to tell you two things. Number one, there is a 100% chance of rain. It's going to rain. The Holy Spirit of God is going to be poured out. His favor is going to be poured out on lives. You're going to see prayers answered, children return home to the Lord. You're going to see your bodies healed. You're going to see your marriages flourish. You say, this sounds too good to be true. I'm telling you, when the rain starts falling, good things start happening. Amen. Your dry season spiritually is coming to an end. Searches for the depth and the presence of God are going to come to a successful, blessed conclusion. You're going to begin to find God in ways you've never discovered Him before. Divine doors are opening. Divine doors are opening. And I, if I had time to tell you, God has been showing people in this house not just one door, but double doors. It's coming. If I had time to tell you about how many people have come to me and said, you know, God's been wanting to do this in Chattanooga for years. He's been wanting to do this outpouring thing, this, this, this multicultural, multi-generational move of God. He's been wanting to do it for years. He started doing it and something happened. And I just have prayed for the stewardship. The ability to steward the move of God without it causing us to get arrogant, puffed up. I don't want us to lose our way. I don't want us to lose our humility. I don't want us to lose our love for people. I don't want it to become about nickels and noses and pennies and pews and parking spots. I, don't, I want it to be about him. So it's going to rain. If you believe in the signs of God, out of the mouth of two or three umbrellas, let a promise be established. It's going to rain. You're going to get wet in the favor of God. You're going to really enjoy it. 
Doors are going to come flying open. God's going to align things and just make things happen. It's going to be him. It's not your foot that dug the trench that got the water to the seed. It's going to be you honored God and heaven opened its windows and poured out rain in your life. And we'll all give him the glory. Like last week, we'll all give him the glory. It's going to rain. But here's the second thing I want to tell you. You have a responsibility to prepare your heart for what God wants to do. I believe the Lord wants to heal marriages in here today. I believe God wants to heal marriages. I believe God wants to to touch some people who are bound by a sinful addiction. It needs to be broken. He's going to forgive it. You're going to be free from it. And you're going to, by his grace and power, vow to him you're never going back to it again. How many know that to taste the Lord's presence is greater than the taste and the offerings of sin from this world? Say amen. Stand with me. I'm through. It's going to rain. Pastor, what's the gist of this message? It's going to rain. The rain is coming. There is a 100% chance of rain. Repent! Times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing. Do you know what that word means, refreshing? It means a reprieve from the heat. If you haven't gone through a a tough season and hadn't felt some heat and hadn't been through a wilderness or a desert or you haven't gone through any kind of trouble or struggle in the last several months, maybe this thing doesn't help you. But if you've been through some heat, through some fire, through a desert, through a wilderness, and you're just thirsty and parched, repent. Make sure everything in your heart that God has put his hand on has been dealt with. Because the rain is coming. And God is in these next, I'm telling you right now, a spirit of sowing is about to come on this house. Seeds are going to be sown in these next 20 so so days that are going to produce harvest for the next 12 months of your life. Do you know that the Jewish people, when they start a new year, it's not in January. September. The new year, I'm telling you, we're getting ready to step into something. I cannot just make this stuff up. We're entering a divine season. And I'm not talking about a Jewish, just a Jewish season. It started there, but this is a spiritual thing God is getting ready to do in the earth. Oh, wonderful Savior. I'm going to do it this way. The Lord is already putting his hand on places in your heart. I just want you to respond to that. Let him deal with it. Get it out. Just let him purge it and forgive it. Get it out of your heart. Completely let him deliver you from it. There's getting ready to come a freedom in this house. Secret sin is stealing corporate power from many people. And I'm telling you right now, we're moving into a season where the Spirit of the Lord is going to just not only forgive, he's going to break some cycles and some some patterns. There's some marriages that need to come to this altar today and get prayer. I'm not pointing you out. I'm not, mean, I'm not being mean to you. As your pastor who loves you and believes God has an amazing favor for your life and your future, God wants to heal your marriage. It's going to take great courage. I know that. But I have prayed for the Holy Spirit to not let us hear something and dance around it, run to our car and forget what we've heard. I 
believe God wants to do something in your heart today. If you believe the rain is coming, and you know God in his goodness and grace is putting his hand on a place in your heart or your life, be it a marriage, be it, listen, it doesn't have to be one of the three big sins. It could be attitude. It could be whatever. I want to open the altar right now for people. I don't want anyone coming to pray for anybody. If you start reading people's mail, I will in love sit you down. This is not about you pointing people's sin out. This is about people responding to God at the opportunity of a lifetime and saying, I need God to forgive and cleanse and get me right. It's not that you're an evil rank sinner. You go to church. You read your Bible. There's just a place he's putting his hand on or there are places. And he's saying, I want to send the rain. 100% chance of rain is coming. But you have to be ready to receive it. If the Lord is touching your heart at all, and you need a moment to pray in this altar, and it's not just going to start and end in this altar. It's going to begin here, and it's going to be just. It's not going to be rolling in self-pity. It's not going to be, oh, God, I'm going to help. It's going to be a change of mind. Repentance is metanoia. To change your mind. Amen. Repent in times of refreshing. Rain's coming. If I'm talking to you and you needed this today, come to the altar and just offer yourself before God. Thank you, sir, for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you all for coming. Marriages that need it, you grab your spouse by the hand. Nobody's going to ask you what you're doing wrong. Nobody, nobody, listen, everyone in this place right now, can we all just draw closer to Him? Can we all draw closer? Just come feel the altar. Come feel the altar. You can kneel where you want to kneel. You can. I don't want anyone praying for anybody today. It's a time of repentance. It's a time of God. We get our heart right because we believe the rain is coming. Robo shikid any of us. Come on. Come on. I'm talking to people who want to turn loose of that pew in front of them, but they're worried about what somebody's going to think about them. They're, they're worried about something. They're thinking more about lunch than they are getting their heart right. I'm telling you right now, you'll never be sorry that you came to this altar and gave it all to God today. And I'm not even going to try to talk you into this. I'm not going to try to talk you into this. You need to make your mind up. I'm not missing another moment in the rain of God's presence. My family, my house, my marriage, my children will not miss the rain. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. His grace is just being poured out in this house. There's no condemnation. Thank you for coming. They're still coming. Come on, I, won't, I don't want to miss it, Pastor. I need everyone to begin to lift their voice all over this house. Everyone begin to lift their voice. Lord, we pray for the rain. Come on. We pray for the rain. The Bible said, ask for rain in the time of rain. Come on. Turn your volume up, church. Pray for the rain. Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, send the rain of your favor today. God, we pray in this time of preparation and repentance that our hearts that are always open and known before you, Lord God, that you would just come and visit us. and In your grace and mercy, lay your hand on those places of our heart, God. Come on, turn your volume up, church. Hallelujah. We pray in the name of Jesus that things that we have previously ignored and accepted as part of our behavior and part of our life, God, today we, come, we just cast ourselves before you, praying for a cleansing and we pray, God, for a washing and a making new. Lord, it's not our church attendance. It's not just our 
God consciousness that you want, Lord. You want all of us, Jesus, and today we give you all of our lives. Come on and just surrender your life to God right now. Surrender your life to God right now. We worship you, Jesus. Oh. Have all of me, God. Have all of me today, Lord. I'm making a preparation. Thank you, Holy Ghost. The Lord prompted a scripture in my spirit before this service started. 2 Kings chapter 3 talks about the people of God. They were surrounded by enemies. They were in the drought. God said, dig a ditch, I'm about to send rain. Well, bro, pastor, there's no rain in the sky. Yeah, but when God says rain's coming, you don't say where is it. You just make room for it and you get ready for it. I need somebody to throw up your hands right now that don't even see, you don't even know if you see this. But you believe the word of the Lord is coming to pass in your life. It's time to dig a ditch and get ready for the rain. Come on. Rain on my house. Somebody begin to worship God like you want him to rain on your house. No dry season in our houses. We want your rain. Come on. 30 more seconds of it. Lift your voice and ask God for the rain. Send the rain. Send the rain, God. The favor of the Lord. The favor of the Lord is raining on your house. The favor of the Lord is going to rain on this city. I declare dry seasons are coming to an end. It's going to rain. A 100% chance of rain. Yes. Glory. Come on a few more minutes right here. Heaven, we need your rain. Heaven, we need your rain. Listen to me. Many of you know, some of you don't know. Obviously, most everyone knows about Ruach, okay? Ruach is happening, this is not a commercial, it's an explanation. Ruach is happening October 24, 25, and 26, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night. Bishop Joseph Garlington, Bishop T.D. Jakes, Bishop Tony Miller, Pastor William McDowell, Pastor Jim Rayleigh, Pastor Devin, other leaders from across the nation, literally from around the world are coming. Two weeks before that, Prophet Dutch Sheets, Will Ford, another powerful, other powerful men and women of God are also coming to this house for an Appeal to Heaven conference. How many were here in, I don't remember what month it was, it was the month Billy Graham died, whenever that was, okay? On that Sunday, how many were here when we celebrated that the ropes came down, those racial ropes? Amen. Every time I say that, I'm overcome by the presence of the Lord. The racial ropes in evangelistic meetings that always we're up separating our African-American brothers and sisters 
from the white section. The first place those ropes came down was in Chattanooga. Billy Graham walked out and told the head deacon, go take those ropes down. How many have ever been to Warner Park Zoo? Okay, we have a zoo in Chattanooga called Warner Park Zoo. There's a big building over there. That building was built for the Billy Graham crusade that came to Chattanooga in the 50s. He walked out, said, take the ropes down. The head deacon said, I will not take the ropes down. He said, then I'll take them down myself. It was in Chattanooga that the ropes of segregation were first removed in a gospel meeting in Billy Graham Crusades. And the Lord spoke to me. The Lord spoke to me and said, I'm going to tear those ropes down in America and I'm going to start right here in Chattanooga. That's what the Lord said to me that day. I feel this on the back of my head. The next day at lunch, you know Dev. Dev's always, I feel like God is saying, she looked at Dutch and said, God did something yesterday. He said, I feel like God told me to bring appeal to heaven to Chattanooga for the intended purpose of smiting the giant of racism. I want you to pray with me right now. You, you think, you think there's not a problem. I am telling you, I have seen in dreams and in the spirit Except the Lord heal this nation. Ferguson and Charlottesville are just a drop in the bucket to what shall come if God doesn't heal our land. Now we can sit in our churches and we can blame each other and be full of hate. Take communion and thank God doesn't matter. But I'm telling you right now, a prophetic company cannot ignore the hate that is running down the streets of our nation. We've got to change this story and we've got to write a new chapter in the history of America. And it's going to be that God opened up the windows of heaven and healed our land. Somebody shout all over this church. To hell with racism. May the giant of racism be defeated in this land. And it's going to happen not up north, not out west. It's going to happen right here in the south. God's going to turn this thing around and I'm telling you the spirit of God is going to get the glory. God is going to heal our wounds and heal our land. And I, want, I know we got to go, Jesus. Let the doors open. I, I don't know what to do. Lamar, give me instruction. We got to go. But I need you to take the next minute and pray with me right now that these conferences that are coming in October, streams are coming together. A converging is happening. The river of God is going to flow. I'm telling you, heaven's getting things in alignment. I want you to pray with me right now that the Spirit of God will begin to work and align things, that healing would come to our generation. Come on, Father. In the, come on, lift your voice, church. In the name of Jesus. I'm asking you for healing in our land, Lord. Let something happen and begin. Let something start. Let a healing happen. Let a healing begin. Lord God, I pray for the wounds of our late nation and the wounds of our land. I pray you'll heal them and I pray you'll push back the hand of darkness. I bind every power and principality and demon spirit of hate, malice, racism, division, secret sins of the heart. Father, I pray you will lay our hearts open and forgive us. 
Cleanse us, Lord God. Drive this spirit out of our nation in the name of the Lord. God, we agree with Dr. King. Father, our sons and daughters are going to sit beside each other. The sons of slave owners are going to sit by the sons of former slaves, and they're going to talk about the good things of the kingdom of God. I pray you heal this land, and you'll begin right here in the city of Chattanooga. Somebody lift up your hands. The rain is coming. I'm telling you, the Ramashanda Messiah. The rain is coming. 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 Lord, heal marriages that didn't move. I'm, le I'm leaving. we got to go. The Holy Ghost is still dealing with me on this. What's, yeah, open the doors, Mari. I don't know what to do. It's just one of those days. Heal marriages today. I release a grace right now over marriages. I release a healing grace. Every, devil, get out of their marriage now. I command you to get out of the house and the marriage now. A spirit of division is broken now off of you. God is going to heal your house, sir. God is going to heal your house, ma'am. I see a fresh love, a fresh intimacy. Yes, I'm declaring it. I see a fresh unity coming on your house. Years of bitterness are going to be forgiven. Years of offense are going to be healed. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Okay? And the Holy Ghost just said to me, some of you are saying, we need counseling. God told me to tell you just now, so you need to pray and forgive and get in the Bible together. And if you'll start that, I promise you all these counseling excuses you have will begin to diminish. I'm not going to tell you you don't need counseling, but some of you won't read your Bible. That's why you need a counselor. So if you'll go pray together and repent together and read your Bible together, God's going to begin to heal something that a counselor could never heal. Say amen. I'm telling this house now, there is a 100% chance of rain. Get your house and heart in order. If you receive the word of the Lord, lift your hands all over this place. If you receive the favor that's on the way, lift your hands all over this place. Some of you are just on the fringe of Christianity. You're not even sure about what all I'm saying. I'm telling you right now, this is a season you're going to get closer to God than you've ever been before. He's coming close to you. I declare over you right now, the rain is coming. A hundred percent chance of it. A green blob of favor is moving in over your house. Hey, the curse is broken. The dry season is over. The dry season is over. I need some people to catch up with me right here. The dry season is over. The rain is on the way. Rain is on the way. The dry season is over. I need some worshipers right now. The dry season is over. Rain is on the way. I, I feel a breakthrough coming to Chattanooga. The dry season is over.
That's right. It's on. It's on. It's on. It's on. Thank you. I just want to be faithful to release the word of the Lord. This is Samuel Smith. He's one of our students at our school, and we're teaching them to operate in a prophetic culture. He just came to me and said the Lord took him back to the War of 1812. I don't know if there's any history buffs in here, but I have studied this. And that when the British came in and they took over our capital and burned the White House and buried our documents, that it was an act of what they call it, Samuel? They said it was an act of providence. And they took the they took the um, the documents, but the only thing that drove the British out was the storms and the rain that came, <laughs> and it drove the enemy out. But it didn't just drive the enemy out because the buildings were burning and the storms put the fire out. Go ahead, buddy. <laughs> and they and they rewrote the history because all the documents had been stored, and the British saw it as an act of of defeat over America over America they saw it as an act of victory for the British but Americans remember that day that we wrote rewrote history because of the rain I just wanted to release that word that this is the season the rain will drive the enemy out from our nation and the history the enemy plan hey! for America will be written by the blood of Jesus Give him more worship right here. We received your rain. Father, we were, I need some people from every kindred, every nation, every tribe. Rain is on the way. One hundred percent chance of rain. Look at your neighbor before we leave. Say, neighbor, you're about to get drenched in the favor of God. Now shout like you believe you're next. Yeah! Yeah, yeah! Second service is going to begin not on time. Ten minutes. 11.50 will begin second service. If you, you were going to close that curtain, if you could go out the sides, people will come in from the middle. I love all of you. Wednesday night, our new series, it was huge this Wednesday. You don't want to miss it. 7 p.m., bring the family. I love you. I'll see you this Wednesday night in the house of the Lord.